is the Crime Cafe, where we get the real lowdown from crime, suspense, and thriller authors. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to remind you that the Crime Cafe Season 1 Story Package is available for sale on my website. Just go to debbiemack.com and click on the Crime Cafe link to hear all the podcasts and buy the stories, which have been contributed by all Crime Cafe guest authors. I'd like to introduce you now to another great crime author, Frank Severo. Z- Zafiro. Do I, am I saying that right? <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Frank Zafiro, who also writes under his real name, Frank Scalise. Both good Italian names. <laughs> <laughs> and he is here today to talk about his books. So welcome, Frank, and it's great to have you. Um, Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Um, you seem to have become something of a serial series writer. How did that happen? Uh, well, quite by accident, I think. I mean, uh, uh, as I wrote uh, each book, I just I didn't want to let the characters go, and so questions would come up. Hey, what you know? What happens next in this character's life? And uh, once you start asking those questions, inevitably the answers come intruding in on your brain and you have to follow it up and figure out exactly what did happen next and, and write the next book. Um, you know, I, I grew up reading a lot of fantasy and science fiction, kind of got away from it in my 20s, but I, I, as a kid, I, I read a lot of that. And of course, every every fantasy book you ever read is part of a series. And so I, I really liked that progression where you had an, you had a story arc within each book, but you also had a series arc that existed as well. Uh, and you could just explore whatever you wanted to explore. So when I started writing crime fiction, I, I really shouldn't be surprised that that's what ended up happening. That's very interesting. I was going to ask you what authors have influenced your own writing. Um, well, when I was younger, I, I, I read, you know, Tolkien and, and uh, uh, Roger Zelazny and Philip K. Dick. And then uh, as I was older, uh, in, in the crime genre, Lawrence Block, for sure. Um, uh, Stephen King is a great crime fiction writer. He doesn't get credit for it, but, uh, but he is. Um, and uh, who else? Those are kind of the, kind of the biggies right, right now. Okay. And I first became familiar with your, your work when I read the first novel in the River City mm-hmm. Uh, series under a raging moon uh, which you've compared to hill street blues or southland and i remember hill street blues and i think that's a great (laughs) comparison um how do your other series differ from each other i know that you tend to focus on spokane washington either fictionally or in in real life so how do they differ from each other um that's a great question uh there's there's a uh, the, the River City series proper, which is uh, at four books right now, um, and that takes place in a fictional, fictional Spokane called River City. Um, and those books are uh, they're police procedurals, uh, for one, and uh, for another, they're, they feature an ensemble cast of uh, uh, first patrol officers, but then pretty quickly the detectives and even the administrators get involved, and so you have this entire uh, police department, both, uh, you know, uh, 
vertically and horizontally the people within it and how they deal with the challenges of the job and the, and the big task that's going on in whichever book we're talking about. Uh, and so when you when you write a book like that, you get to jump from character to character and you get to see all these different perspectives. Uh, and it's a procedural, so the focus isn't so much on who the bad guy is, but on how or whether the police will catch him and when. Um, uh, one of my characters uh, from that series, uh, uh, his run on the show, so to speak, kind of came to an end after the second book. And so there uh, was a spin-off uh, series of that, uh, the Stefan Copriva mysteries. And those are first-person mysteries. They're, they're whodunits, um, and, and they're a little bit more noirish um, than, than the procedurals. And so they differ in, in that fashion. Um, I wrote a series with Jim Wilski called the Anya Trilogy that's pretty much hard-edged noir. And it's uh, also told in the first person. Um, but there are two main characters, and um, the chapters alternate back and forth between those two characters, um, and they're both told in the first person. So you get that intimacy of first-person narration and storytelling, um, but you get more than one viewpoint uh, as the reader. So sometimes you know something that maybe this character doesn't know because you found out when you're reading a chapter that this character was narrating. Um, and in those instances, I only wrote half of the book. I wrote one character, and Jim wrote the other half. Um, and uh, and so that's a completely different type of experience. So, uh, you know, they're kind of all over the all over the map, <laughs> really. I was going <laughs> to say I'm, maybe I'm schizophrenic, and that's the secret. <laughs> I was going to say when people ask you what kind of books do you write, how do you answer that question succinctly, like in an elevator speech? <laughs> Um, I say crime fiction, mysteries, police stories, things like that, and that, that places it enough for people that if they're not interested, they know they're probably not, and if they are, uh, you know, then, then they'll ask further, and, and, and yeah. I can, you know, ask them, well, well, what kind of mysteries do you like? Oh, I love the whodunits. Well, then you can stare in this direction, or, you know, I'm, I, well, I just loved NYPD Blue. Well, let me steer you this direction, because, uh, That's you know, a great approach. Yeah, works all right. You're very flexible there. And you have so many books now. <laughs> I have to read them, you know, because I've I've read uh, the, the Last Horseman, was it called? Yeah, The Last Horseman, Yeah, that which was is a, not a Western, even though it sounds like it. <laughs> it's not, it sounds like a Western, but it's not. It's definitely a crime fiction book, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And um, I read your first uh, Stefan Capriva, which was really, really mm -hmm. good. And um, I can see him becoming a series character. I can see how you would have done that. And uh, I, I just finished that, the third one in that series, actually, a couple, maybe a week ago. The first that, draft, anyway. That's the one that's going to come out next. Um, yeah, that should. Well, that that's the one that'll come out next from just me. Um, I do have a book with Eric Beatner called The Backlist that we wrote together in exactly the same format that I described with the Jim Wilski Anya books. Um, but uh, that'll be out from Down and Out Books uh, on the 15th of this month. So that'll be the actual next release uh, with my name on the cover. Uh, but the uh, new Copriva book will probably be the next one that I release that has only my name on the cover, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what's that experience like collaborating with another author that way? Is it they provide you with a chapter and then 
you feel like, okay, what would that character do under these circumstances once they kind of feed you that chapter? Is that the way it works? Is it? Well, you know, uh, kind of, yeah, there's some, there's some element of that for sure. Um, the difference between writing by yourself and writing with uh, another writer, particularly if you're, if you're doing a back and forth that's a little bit structured, is you have to kind of agree at least on a compass direction for the story in advance. Because, you know, I mean, writing takes a little bit of planning and work and, and, you're, and you're laying foundation and so forth. And if, if, if I think we're going north and, and you think we're going west, but I don't know it until I've already built this, the perfect northern bound wagon train, and then it's, you know, westward ho, it's going to throw a huge monkey wrench in all the words. So usually um, with, with all of the authors that I've collaborated with, we've at least set out a very uh, rough outline uh, to the midpoint or the two-third point of the book. And then, you know, we'll have to have another meeting when we get to that point. But uh, uh, so at least we know where we're going and what direction. And so, yeah, we would do it chapter by chapter, though. Uh, and, and the cool thing about that is, is when you get that chapter back from your co-writer, first off, it's exciting to read it because you're probably one of the first people in the world to get to see what's happening next in your own book. Um, and then, uh, and then it, it, it really motivates you to dive in, write your chapter, do the very best job you can do because you don't want to let your partner down. Um, and so that, that writer's energy that you get when you sit down and have coffee with another writer and kick around ideas or, or, or whatever, um, that, that spikes every time you get that email back from, from your writing partner. That sounds wonderful, actually. Sounds like a lot of It's fun. pretty cool experience. It really is. The downside to it is you have to suspend your ego a little bit. And for some people, that might be a problem. It hasn't been with anybody that, that I've worked with. And, and, and you'd have to ask them, but I don't think it's a problem for me either. Um, because, you know, sometimes, you know, their idea is better than your idea. Or sometimes the direction that they want to go is a, is a, it's better than the direction you want to go. And, and um, if you're not, if, if you don't treat that process with some respect and, and some humility, then, you know, I think it could go off the tracks, but I've been very fortunate. Um, everyone that I've worked with has been uh, not only talented and had, had carried more than their own weight in the partnership. Um, but uh, if I had an idea and it was a better idea, we went that way. If they had an idea and it was a better idea, we went that way. And, and nobody seemed to get too bound up about, you know, uh, well, you know, this is my book and you're collaborating with me or something crazy like that. It's been a true partnership in every in every instance. So uh, either I've gotten really lucky or I pick my collaborators well, one of the two. <laughs> well, it sounds very much like the process of putting together a TV show, actually, where people sit around a table and throw out mm -hmm. ideas mm -hmm. and uh, the best idea wins. So mm -hmm. um, collaboration is the name of the game, I think, when it comes to yeah. storytelling in that manner. Um, the thing too I was going to mention is that yes. it, it it actually, this the, the way that we do it with the alternating first person narrative, that dual first person narrative, that might take a little bit of the edge out of the, con the, the lack of control that a writer may feel because even though the overall story is a complete collaboration and we have to agree on the direction and the destination and, and all of those sorts of things and, and there's a lot of collaboration and give and take in there, um, when you write your chapter, um, you know, it's pretty much your chapter. And so you haven't surrendered 
you know, totally to having control over something. And so I think that the writer and us, the creator and us that doesn't want to necessarily relinquish, you know, total control over the work um, gets to hold on to a pretty good chunk of it. Um, I know in the, even in the editing process, you know, I tend to go a little lighter on my co-writers chapters than on my own, just because I feel like, you know, tie goes to the runner. It's their chapter. If that's how they want to say it, that's how they want to say it. Um, and, and it's good in those scenarios for there, there to be two separate voices because they're supposed to be, they're two separate characters. And, and uh, so it, it, it works out better that way anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, you have a fascinating background. Uh, you used to work in military intelligence doing linguist work. And yeah, that sounds a lot sexier than it was. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I, I, uh, I did go into the Army when I got out of high school. I went to the Presidio of Monterey, which is where the Defense Language Institute is still still housed. Um, this was back in 1987 by the time I got to the Presidio. Um, and I spent 15 months learning Czech and Slovak, um, which uh, is a fun language, but uh, not very useful in the civilian world. Um, and then uh, they sent me to Germany and uh, actually when I was doing that job, uh, a lot of times I looked a lot like this with headphones on, uh, scanning radio frequencies, listening for the communists to get on the radio and chat to each other. And, um, and so I was an interceptor. Uh, of course, in their infinite brilliance, the Army in their first move, they sent me to a unit in, in Germany that didn't have an interceptor mission. So I had to become an analyst on the job. So I, the benefit of it is I got, you know, I got both skill sets uh, out of the deal. Uh, but, uh, and, the, and the analyst skill set actually has had a lot more of a civilian application. Um, but I was over there at the time that uh, the wall came down in, the, in Germany and the Velvet Revolution occurred in, uh, in the Czech, was now the Czech Republic. And so it was a pretty exciting time to be right there, uh, you know, on the, on the edge of it. Just watching it happen about six hours ahead of CNN. That's about it. Have you ever considered writing a spy novel? Um, gosh, not really. Um, no, I just, it, it, it's been done and it's been done probably better than I can do it. And, uh, it, it doesn't excite me a, a whole lot. So, mm. and that's the thing is, you know, you got to be excited about something to write about it. Uh, at least I do for fiction. And I think most writers have to be pretty well in love with the work to pour their Absolutely. soul into it. So, so. Well, certainly your background as a police officer and detective has uh, influenced your work. Uh, is how, how much like Spokane is River City? And how much of your own background goes into your writing? Uh, well, River City is a very thinly veiled Spokane. Uh, and at the time that I decided to call it River City and to use the pen name of uh, Frank Zafiro, um, I was still an active duty uh, police officer. And I really didn't know how my bosses were going to respond to to my writing career. And there's, uh, there are rules for you know other employment when you're a police officer. And, and uh, I really didn't want to run into a, a problem there. And uh, the only reason I was a little bit worried was that, uh, you know, I was writing pretty gritty material and sometimes the police officers were not necessarily uh, behaving ethically uh, because it's fiction. You have to 
do something to make it exciting, right? And uh, there's a reason why Dudley Do Right got canceled. Um, so <laughs> anyway, uh, so I went with the pen name in River City. Uh, it was actually suggested uh, by a, uh, a, a publisher that I was uh, talking to uh, at the time, and that, that didn't work out, but uh, the idea stuck. And um, so Spokane is, uh, River City is 97% Spokane. I mean, I've done what all writers do and, and monkeyed around with the geography to fit the story better or renamed a street or, or a river. Uh, but outside of that, it's it's pretty close. Um, mm. As far as my own experiences, um, I have I haven't uh, taken any actual experiences and translated them, you know, quid pro quo into fiction um, that I can think of. Um, but I have drawn heavily on the flavor and the color and the texture. Of, of, of what I experienced to try to bring that veracity, that verisimilitude, did I get that one right? Verisimilitude, I, yeah. I can read it, <laughs> I can read it and spell it, but I don't know if I can say it. Um, you know, to bring that that to the to the writing and, and give people that, uh, that feeling that they're there when they're reading the River City series, I want them to feel like they're on a ride along with the officer that they're reading about or, uh, or whatever. Uh, but you know, fiction is fiction, and so I, you know, I amp it up and blow it up, and and of course, there's, you know, just like any series on TV or any, any other book you read, you know, everybody goes through a thousand times more, you know, exciting things than they ever would in real life. You know? So. Well, I have to tell you that um, one of your River City books, after reading a few of those, uh, one of the characters, I won't say who, died. And it affected me so deeply, I actually wept. <laughs> so well, I, I guess I'm sorry, and thank you. <laughs> needless to say, your work draws people in very effectively. At least it drew me in very effectively. And um, I uh, still think about that character and think, wow, oh, damn, how come he had to die? <laughs> yeah, I actually got, uh, when I finished that book and I sent it to uh, one of my uh one of my friends who uh, does some editing for me um, and she's hardcore. She's, you know, she doesn't pull any punches and uh, she wrote me back and said, yeah, you can't kill this character. <laughs> and I said, he's dead. I mean, I can't do anything about it, you know? And, and of course, so then we got into an argument about that. <laughs> and, so, and then, uh, and she had her reasons why, and her reasons were great. But the thing about it is uh, the character was already dead. And, and what I mean by that is I, I wrote that book and I think in 2011, and I had already written short stories in the River City universe back in 2005 or 2006 that reference the fact that that character is dead. Now, it doesn't say when he dies or how he dies or anything like that, but, I mean, it's there. And, and so, uh, I mean, uh, not to sound pretentious, but it's already canon that he's dead, right? So I can't... His fate was you know, sealed. Yeah, I can't go back on that or I'll have major inconsistency in the, in the River City universe. And, of course, you know, can't have that. Can't have that. <laughs> Readers will point that out. They will. They will. Um, and they should. Since you're a, a movie lover, I have to ask as a fellow movie lover, what's your favorite movie or favorite movies? Yeah, gosh, movies. Um, you know, I, I'm probably pretty boring in that regard. I, I love uh, I loved Heat from uh, 95 with 
Pacino and De Niro. Uh, Tombstone was a great Western. I love that. Doc Kilmer was awesome as Doc Holliday. Um, really dug The Departed a few years ago. Uh, was a big Braveheart fan when that came out uh, way back when. Um, what have I seen recently that I really liked? Um, you know, more recently I've been into watching uh, really good television series, you know, uh, and so that's been more uh, what I, you know, rather than watching movies, uh, binge watch uh, Sons of Anarchy or Breaking Bad or um you know way back when the wire and the sopranos and, and so those uh, they're not movies per se but they um they're they're pretty powerful viewing yeah there's some really good television these days and uh those movies i i agree with you wholeheartedly those are some great movies you mentioned um so very quickly tell us what your uh, new novel is about um, the one that's going to be released on uh, September 15th from Down and Out Books uh, with Eric Beatner, who you should check out. Uh, he's got some uh, awesome books. The Devil Doesn't Want Me is cool, cool book. Um, but uh, it's called The Backlist, and it's basically about the a scenario where uh, the mob is downsizing, um, and they uh, are cutting down on the number of people they have on the payroll, including button men, which are hitmen. Hit and so they want to settle a few accounts before they do that. So they put together a couple of different lists of these overdue accounts called a backlist, and they give it to two different uh, hitters. Uh, and essentially the, the idea is that the uh, whichever one distinguishes himself or herself the best uh, is who they'll keep on the payroll. Of course, it doesn't work out that way. Um, but I, I wrote the character of uh, uh, Paula Bricky, a.k.a. Bricks. She's a pretty sharp-tongued, uh, 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 take-no-prisoners kind of uh, very professional uh, hit, hit, hit woman. And then uh, Eric Beatner wrote uh, Cameron, who... Uh, starts out as kind of a little bit hapless, maybe kind of a little bit of a, uh, uh, I wouldn't say screw up, but he kind of stumbles around a little bit and makes a mess uh, uh, of things, but he still gets the job done. Uh, and so these two characters work their, uh, their respective lists while there's other machinations going on. And uh, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's some, uh, certainly some action, a lot of action. There's some blood, there's some dark humor, there's some uh, snappy dialogue, at least uh, I hope so. And, uh, and, and, and it, it has a pretty frenetic pace and, and uh, you know, the back and forth between Eric and I, between the two chapters really keep, keep the book moving. And uh, so that'll be out on the 15th of uh, September, which uh, is coming right up. Um, and they liked it enough, Down and Out Books did, to uh, sign us for the, uh, the sequel. The short list, which uh, we've already finished and uh, is ready to go uh, for next September. So uh, that's the next book that's coming out. Well, that's awesome. And uh, by the time I get this up, your book will be out. Oh, and, great. Um, so I'm very happy for you uh, with all of your success with your, your books. And I just want to thank you again for appearing on the show. It's been a well, pleasure thanks. talking to you. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Sure thing. Um, one more thing before before we go, I just want to mention again that uh, if you want to get the 
Crime Cafe Season 1 Story Package. You'll find it at my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. And you can also buy... <laughs> swag. Merchandise. Yeah, swag. Yep, I got merch up there. There's Crime Cafe t-shirts, coffee mugs, all sorts of stuff. So you'll find that there on the Crime Cafe part of my website. And uh, this, I'm, I'm talking as if you can see me because um, I'm doing this on video as well as podcast. For those of you who are listening by podcast, trust me, there's some cool t-shirts and stuff. So check it out. So in any case, um, thanks again, Frank, for, for joining me today. And I look forward to uh, reading your book and to your other work as well. So take care and thank you very much, everyone. Thank you.